Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Rolling in My 5.0 podcast with Castle Customs and the Infamous Project. On today's episode, we have a special guest with us, Mr. Tom Schwenzer, better known as War Admiral in the Mustang world. Tom was kind enough to reach out to us and offer his time and expertise to do a bit of a personal interview with both Chris and I. We talk about everything from professional to personal to car-related questions. It's a really fun pod, so I hope you guys like it. Without further ado, here's our interview with War Admiral Tom Schwenzer. What the hell are your plans for Foxtoberfest? Please tell me you're getting your own booth. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it seems, you know, Foxtoberfest is evolving every year and Jen and Matt seem to be, I guess, pretty agile and wanting to move as in the right directions as the show grows and everything else. So they have their own influencer section, I'm told. So I guess, and I don't know who all the influencers are. I'm assuming, you know, the the usual suspects as we had last year, but I, my understanding is kind of whether it's next to the VIP area or whatever, uh, there's going to be booth specific for all the influencers. So yes, I plan on having three cars. They told me I could only have two cars in the influencer booth so i went ahead and booked a, a vip spot to tag on to the <laughs> to the influencer booth so that i could accommodate the cars so i'm hoping to have a pretty good presence with merch obviously some cars to show off maybe some products to show off and I, i'm looking forward to it man i can't wait nice so you're bringing the black dash car right that's going to come the one Gary's driving down. Yep. So that's going to be a road trip and a half. I'm sure we can get into that. And so that'll be one Dutch car and I'm bringing the Dutch number five that I restored. So that'll be coming down and that one's actually staying at the Mustang owners museum. It's going to be on showcase for six months, uh, starting right after the show. So that way I can start to, not only show off some of my work that I did on the car, but create more awareness of, of Detch so that right. there, there's actually a car that people can see down here south of the border that represents the name and the brand. Yeah, I was actually going to do that with my car when they were looking, and that was going to be kind of similar to you right after right after the show. But then it's, it's just too much for me to travel back and forth and all that stuff. And so that's cool that your car is going to be there. But... If Dude, we're you gonna get hammered with Dutch questions because this like two videos that I put out in the live we did, I am getting fist fucked with questions. <laughs> it's like, funny. It's funny you say that, Gary, because I just watched right before we came on here. I watched your interview with Chris about that. So I think it's funny that I mean people still have no idea what Dash is here, like. They have no clue. Well, buddy, so this is funny because as Chris and I pieced this thing together, him obviously being tech in, in Texas and me being up here and the car was in Vancouver. So I was kind of the middleman that put this all together and, and dealt with the, the ultimate purchase of it. I reached out to the guy initially to kind of introduce myself and whatever. And I said, you know, look, I'm going to be dead honest with you here. You have two things that are going to make most people probably like 99 plus percent of people skip right over your ad. One is 
this thing's got more miles on it than a 91 7.3 liter power stroke diesel two right you're going on and on about this detch thing which i fully know of and appreciate however i'm one of i don't know you know what i mean like within this community let's just say 30 40 percent maybe i was even late to the game with it all like I'll be honest, man, like back in like the late teens, early 20 days, I had no idea about Dutch. None. Right. And you're from Canada. Totally. Right. right. Now, granted, I was like more or less living on the moon in a little town, but all that said, um, had no idea. Even though on the other side of the province I grew up on, they were in dealerships in Vancouver. So it's wild. So that actually, that actually makes you, I actually have a question leading in, like leading up what you just said, made me lead, think of a question. So Chris, officially, you just got approval to be a business. So tip is now going to be a business in the U S correct. That is correct. So we've got the infamous project LLC up and running down here, just North of Austin in Texas and going to be going to market and I'll stretch myself in the ways I'll choose in which directions I want to stretch myself, but yeah, I'll be available to share my OCD with anybody who wants to potentially allow me to put my hands on their cars. So from, from an outside looking in point of view, like we know all know you as the infamous project, YouTube, um, you know, Mr. Dash, if you would, in the Fox community, what, what is, tip as a business like what does tip offer um someone coming to you like what what what's the plan what's the layout what's the idea what's the end goal like what is tip yeah absolutely so there's a couple different elements to it because obviously i want to make sure that i have a sustainable business model and the element the main one that obviously most people will be interested in is the whole restoration modification custom build element of it and i want to do a certain number but i don't want to overwhelm myself with them at the same time so there'll be certain clients and i've already got a few lined up because obviously i've been building i guess contacts and everything else over this time that i've been kind of dabbling in trying to make this a full-time thing for my transition so working with clients that have the same vision or almost that can give me that blank canvas to do what I do. You know, I'm, I'm more focused on the suspension overall looks and, you know, street scene more so than quarter mile and drag strip racing. So, you know, it's somebody who wants the ultimate street car. I'm happy to take on a potential project, something that maybe wants to have a Dutch kit on it that will <laughs> kind of give priority to anyone because that's kind of what I like to uh, do from a style perspective. And so there'll be a number of those. Then obviously I want to be able to use my knowledge and expertise to help broker sales and deals. You know, if people want help selling their cars or help finding and buying, you know, having a good strong presence on social media and YouTube, a lot of people approach me with cars for sale. And as much as I want to buy them all, I can't, but I'd like to be able to put prospective buyers in contact with those people that are considering selling their cars. And, and we all know this. There's a lot of people out there. They don't want to post their cars on Facebook 
and on the greater web and deal with all the bullshit that comes with all the keyboard warriors and appraisers and everything else. So there's that element of it. You know, I've always bought and sold and I will most likely be using a lot of my connections north of the border as well to help people do import export because now there, there's a border, but it almost doesn't matter. You know, there's clean cars that are in Canada just as much as there's clean cars in the Southern U S that are rust free. And it really doesn't matter where it is. It's just important to try and get your hands on it or help people be able to facilitate the logistics and everything that comes into play on importing a vehicle into one country or the other. So there's that element. And then, you know, I'll carry on everything that's going on with social and swag and merch and all those things. And the other big piece of this for anybody who's been looking at my website is I've been selling the 7.3 liter Godzilla packages. And that's a whole other area that I'm looking at potentially getting and doing a lot of Godzilla swaps for people. And, you know, whether you got a Raptor with an EcoBoost and you hate the EcoBoost and you want that pushrod power, or maybe you got an old F100 or F series pickup and you want to put a Godzilla in it, or hell, maybe you got a square body and you know what? You're not going to put an LS in it. You're going to go Godzilla. You know, that's, uh, that's it. That's the, <laughs> the slogan on the t-shirt is the Godzilla is sort of like an LS, but for men. So would you, would that's for men, like, <laughs> so would, would you do the Godzilla swap yourself or would you just sell the package for them to install, you know, either by a, someone they know or a local shop or something or themselves for that matter? Yeah. So I got the packages up now on my website so you can buy them and whether you just want to get your hands on that with the standalone setup so you can install it yourself or maybe have a local shop do it, or I would be able to do the swap as well. So I do want to do a couple, um, key ones. I want to do the one in my Lincoln, uh, my 65 Lincoln. And then I want to do one potentially in that Celine ex former race car that I've got. So that's the plans there. And then obviously if people want a Fox body build with a Godzilla in it, that'd be something that I do. And then I think from, I guess maybe the truck world and everything else as that side of the business grows, obviously I'll have a team of fabricators and everything else that'll be able to kind of facilitate that. And, and I'll do a lot of project management, you know, like as much as I want to do a lot of things because I love getting my hands on suspension. I love doing body and paint. I love doing interior. I love doing all aspects, but I can't do them all all the time. So having some key contacts and I've built some pretty good ones in terms of body and paint and fabrication and everything else. So the important thing is, is that I will always oversee projects from a to z making sure that at the end of the day what you get is something that i would have built for myself and to so, the same standards and quality so so if if i came to you and was like listen i want i want a tip a tip car say you would do it like a ground up restoration you would oversee it but kind of contract some of the work out correct and then the, the end result would be the car that i ultimately wanted or would, yep. would it be so would they be numbered like a tag kind of deal? 
Yeah, and I've started numbering some of my own personal builds. So anything that obviously has gone through a substantial transformation, you know, like if you just come and it's, I'm brokering a, a body and paint job, for instance, you know, so the Calypso car, for instance, uh, that's my latest YouTube video. So I know the car intimately. I've gone over the whole car. I've inspected and represented the car accurately, you know, out to the internet world. And then somebody was extremely interested. They wanted that pedigree of car. And from there it was like, okay, I'm going to do a full build on it. I don't know which drivetrain I'm going with yet, but I want you to take the car apart. I want you to facilitate the paint job and I want you to make sure that all the trim is proper. The paint is done proper and it's put back ready for whatever part that goes in it. So it's kind of, I guess, a really good example of something where I will have my eyes and my hands on every step of the way to make sure that, you know, because a lot of paint shops, they'll paint your car, but are they going to know how to take everything off in a way not to mess it up? Are they going to know where to make sure to check for where paint didn't get originally or where paint should be, like in the door jams and the door post areas or any of those little tidbits, right? Right, right. But that way, you know, when you get something back, it's something that's comprehensive and that you can feel confident. Now, this one, I think that the next step, once I get it back, he'll probably, he already knows. He knows that he's going down the rabbit hole. He knows it's the domino effect. Right. I'm trying to convince him on the on the Godzilla swap in it. He wants to go more old school with like an old 408 or something. I'm with like him. That. I'm with him. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, see how it goes. <laughs> That's just kind of, you know, an idea um, of, of where it can go. And that's, you know, it's substantial to that point. If it just ends up being body and paint, would I put a number plaque on it? Probably not. Um, but if things go more in depth, we talk about suspension and brakes and a power plant and all that other stuff. Then, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be plaquing the car. So on, on a more personal note. This from watching your videos and seeing some of your interviews and listening to you talk over the years, this is kind of like your end game. Like you've this is what you've been striving for for years to have tip as a business, right? Not so much YouTube fame, not so much Instagram fame, none of that. I mean, that's the vibe I get. So on a personal level, like how does it feel to to risk it, walk away from careers and go for it? and actually reach this goal like how how are you personally feeling about that you have to feel great it's honestly it's been it's one of those things where you almost have to try and step outside of yourself and, and reflect because right. you know i feel like we all sometimes just become complacent or we're just like oh okay we're okay with the situation and like you said, this has been a long process. You know, I, I started TIP back in 2009 in terms of an idea and a concept. And, you know, it didn't really get the legs that I was hoping originally. I think maybe a little bit ahead of its time in terms of live streaming at that time. And, you know, it was not until I was in my corporate job pretty much selling the concept to 
teenagers follow your passion and trying to align their passions working in the education sector. I'm like, shit, I need to kind of follow my own advice here. And I've been planning this honestly for probably the past four years. And it's been a long run, but it, it's been done in, I think, a really good way. And then for everything to finally just come together within the past couple of weeks and have everything set up and ready to go, it's sort of like, holy shit, like I'm here. You know, it's right. like, it's that long road trip of, oh, you know, we, we were on that journey and we got flat tires and broke down six times and got lost and, you know, ran out of gas and all that shit and we made it. So now it's sort of like, okay, um, let's, let's look go. back and, and let's go and, and let's see what was working and what might not work. And I think being agile is the biggest thing. We all learn, even as influencers, right? We're always trying different things to whether we're trying to beat an algorithm or keep up with an algorithm to see what works and what doesn't. It's just important to be able to see what the market is and, and what's going on and, you know, align that with what ultimately that you want to do and what you're happy doing. So I, I couldn't be happier, honestly. And like looking back, it's it's sort of like I can recognize my mood while everything was going through the process and you kind of feel like, oh, I'm never going to get there. and now it's yeah i i, I know it's awesome dude it's awesome it's you know, my awesome. wife notices it the cat probably even notices it and um yeah like even gary gary we've been talking about this collectively yeah so funny, that was right? gonna actually lead me into gary because gary is kind of on the same path right i mean i was actually watching one of your videos and uh i can't remember which one it was and you're you're i think it was no traction right yeah. or something like that it was an older video no traction and you got your button up shirt right <laughs> right <laughs> shaved all clean oh yeah looking pretty and in my head i'm imagining i'm like this dude is on his way to work right like you're on your way to that cubicle where you were miserable right so then i'm, I'm watching it and i'm thinking and i look at your videos now and i go man he he had the balls to walk away from all that and go after something he truly truly i don't i don't know how to say it like i give you credit for that so my question to you is same thing like where is castle going where do you see castle customs uh five years from now end plan is is it just working on fox bodies is it working on all kinds of cars is it your own shop like what do you see castle customs as yeah um it it's funny because it, I haven't thought about that video in quite some time, but I literally was on my way to a fucking cubicle, hating going where I was going to. But in the back of my mind, had that, I guess, vision, right? Like, just muck it out. You know what I mean? Keep going. Don't give up. It'll happen. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, well, Tom, you got a little one. I got three of them and you know you got the people that depend on you so to try to be agile as we crowd middle age it gets a lot trickier you know um and shit always pops up and it's it just the older you get the easier it gets to make excuses for all this stuff too right but i'm like i just thought to myself the whole time i'm like i i said this 
I can't remember where, if it was on our pod at one point or in a video, but I'm like, I'm not a, a religious guy in the traditional sense, but I remember thinking to myself, kind of the cartoony pearly gates. And I was like, I'll be damned if I line up behind all these other souls that have just passed on, you know, and they're calling names and you're either in or you're out, right? Set the St. Peter or whoever it is that's checking people off the list. And I get to that gate and go, you wasted your life being a commercial insurance salesman. Like get the hell out of here, right? Get back on the elevator. So, right. Or God forbid, you know, you're taking your last breaths and saying goodbye to your, your family. And you start reflecting on things and go, man, I always told myself I was gonna, but I never did. And here I sit in a goddamn hospital bed. Right. So that was kind of the fuel behind what kept me going, I guess. But I mean, yeah, end goals for, for Castle Customs, I, I, I've tried to just stay as nimble as possible. I mean, we're working on a 78 Trans Am right now, the true blue bandit car, um, the 406.6, the four speed, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, it's a ground up restoration, so it's got absolutely nothing to do with foxes, even though, as you guys know, these foxes hold a very special place in my heart. Now, in between, I've had a couple fox bodies come and go, um, help guys out after hours or whatever the case may be. It's it's definitely the the car that I I know the most about. If I'm being honest, you know, like there's things that I run into on this TA, and I'm like, what the hell is going on with this timing cover? Like the water pump comes through it, and it, it anyway. Like there's just stuff that I would not even think twice about with a fox. Um, I've rebuilt the C10 pickup, um, a 70 GMC by C1500, I guess, for those purists out there. But, um, yeah, so I've had my hands on lots of stuff, built four by four trucks, uh, side by sides and ATVs and dirt bikes and whatnot. So I'm really, I love anything that has wheels or skis and a track or a prop or whatever, you know, anything motorized. So I'm kind of open, but at the same time, I really do enjoy, I guess, trying to share as much of what I know, like with the community and, and everything else. I love nothing more than sitting down and, and answering questions that I get through the YouTube channel, or if somebody takes the time to reach out and email me, I'm always so grateful for that. I'm like, you know, I'm sure, I guess if, if, things go really good and, and you're bombarded with all that, it'd be tougher to do one day. But I tell you, I, I look forward to that time because I love helping folks out, which isn't a very good business model in all honesty. <laughs> I probably, probably go backwards more often than I go forwards. But um, yeah, I don't know, man, just absolutely love it. And I love going for the ride. So, so you don't, you haven't really laid out like a, a plan yet. You're kind of just like, okay, I broke free from that. And I know I want to be here working on cars with my hands, doing stuff like that. And you're going to just kind of see how it goes. Is that kind of what I'm getting out of it, Gar? Yeah. And I mean, I'm still in somewhat of a transitional period. Well, you guys can see me, the folks listening can't, but I look like I've been in Hawaii. I got this tan going on that, right? I haven't been in Hawaii. I've got this property management deal that I do. So I'm outside most of the days 
helping people around their summer cottages and stuff and, and keeping their, their places so that they can just show up and, and enjoy their time while they're here. Um, so I'm juggling that with the shop, with the YouTube, with the dad, with the husband, with the, you know, trying to wear a whole pile of hats. So, um, which is good. I'm, I'm not a person that sits still very well, so I definitely enjoy being busy, but, uh, at times I'm like, wow, Christ, what am I doing? But again, I don't want to end up at those pearly gates and get sent down the elevator. Right. I get it. <laughs> totally. Well, I give, listen, I give both you guys a lot of credit because there's so many of us out here who literally wake up every day, go to work for that paycheck, go to work for that benefit, hate it, can't stand it, and just don't have the balls to do, do anything about it. I guess when you have a family, kids, mortgage, stuff like that, it's it's hard to chase chase dreams when you're in your late 30s, early 40s, 50s. I mean, it gets tougher and tougher. So the fact that you guys did it is is pretty impressive. And I'm super happy for Chris to see his dreams starting to come to reality. And I feel it'll happen for you too, Gary. Um, we all support you for sure. Thanks. Buddy. But is YouTube, was YouTube like your outlet, both of you guys, to to um, I guess to start this, like start the infamous project as a business, start castle customs as a business. Was that the goal of YouTube or was it kind of just like, let's just do this. Cause I like doing it and let's show people some stuff and we'll see where it goes. That's kind of for both of you guys. Yeah, honestly, uh, for me, it was more about just brand awareness. I think after having done so much in the early days, in fact, when I was doing the live streams, it was on Ustream. So YouTube couldn't even do lives back in the day. So I took all that footage and just kind of dumped it into YouTube after the fact, just so that I had it stored somewhere. And I think it was good from, I guess, just setting a foundation because it was there. And I had a lot of, I guess I'd say credibility on a lot of online forums from back in the day, you know, north of the border on gtamc.com, which is the greater toronto area mustang club and then corral.net svt performance staying at all those guys you know i was on all of those and i shared a lot of the builds and everything that i did back in the day and that was really just building something over the winter enjoying it in the summer then flipping it and then just trade up trade up trade up and you know i think that's just where you sort of realize that you got kind of this natural business sense or instinct in you and over the years that was something like okay i want to play off that some more so that's when i sort of decided and that when i kicked off the infamous project 2.0 call it back in 2018 that was a summer holiday that i was taking my annual leave from dubai i came back and i was on that was my whole focus i'm like i got two weeks in canada how much content can I create within two weeks time and start rolling that out to create or revive kickstart, whatever you want to call it, the infamous project again. I and remember watching all that unfold. That was what I remember one of your videos where you're cruising down the road, kind of giving people an update as to like where to from here. Um, I think I just watched that one recently. Actually, it popped up in my feed. I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, this is the early days of Chris. <laughs> the one I just watched that he was driving recently was when he was talking about where does he get his money? <laughs> right? That was, yeah. So I, I'm actually going to go there. 
because if there's always like this whisper when Chris is around at the shows, like, where does this fucking guy get get his money to have all these fucking cars? And I'm, I just say, listen, his his OnlyFans does really, really well. <laughs> And I don't know what he does besides that. (laughs) Honestly, it's been the story of my life, bro. That's where the handle infamous came from. You know, I, it was driving a five liter back in high school. My first one wasn't very nice. An 83 GT that you could actually see the primer underneath the silver because there wasn't enough base coat to to cover the, the primer up properly. But I traded that in, I got my first 90 and then, um, that one, unfortunately I wrecked. And then I got my silver coupe. That was my first coupe. And that one, you know, having 17 inch wheels back in the mid nineties was like a big deal. That's like, big. yeah, that that was big back then. Right. So that's when kind of the things like, okay, this guy's in high school, he's already gone through a couple cars and this and that. And everyone just assumed I sold drugs. So I was just like, whatever, I got an infamous reputation. And I just kind of that's where the handle came from. And, and it's funny, like to this day. But I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there. You know, I've, I've got some nice cars. Don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of nice cars. But in reality, when we go back into that mint conversation, oh yeah, right? Or even Gearhead. Gearhead is very open about how much money he has in the Tar Heel Fox. And when he first told me how much he had into that, I almost fell over because I just, I could never imagine. I don't have that much money into any of my Fox, like probably not into any one of my vehicles in my whole collection do I have that much money into. So it's... You know, I think I'm really good with making things look really, really nice on a budget. And that's a lot of that is where my labor was at zero dollars an hour when I was young. Now I like I charge myself. I'm just like, man, I got to wait on hold to like get this part. And it's going to take an hour for me to get this. That's that's a hundred dollars worth of my time. I'll just I'll just go over here and do it that way. But right. Um, yeah, it's uh I've been very fortunate. Don't get me wrong. Um, a lot of hustling when I was young and that was just literally flipping, brokering black interiors. You know, I was hustling on Yahoo auctions before eBay was even a thing and just working that U S Canada deal. It worked out really well. The U S dollar always was worth more for the most part. There was a couple of very close times there in terms of currency exchanges, but um, it was always a business opportunity and going to the Middle East and doing that those 10 years over there obviously helped me in many ways uh, as well. But, you know, it's funny. I make the joke. I've had a couple of friends that were in the Middle East with me and we all laugh and say, man, we we spent 10 years out in the Middle East to make just as much money as some of our friends did on real estate because of the real estate boom. And right. It's in honesty, like it's probably very close to the same to a certain degree. If you invested at the right time, you know, back in, well, in in our age range, right? In your mid twenties or so, yeah, you probably would have doubled your money um, if not done better. And, you know, don't get me wrong, worked really hard in the Middle East. They, they, 
the best analogy is they squeeze you like a lemon and the day that you stop producing juice they throw you away like that's just they grind you so you live for your experiences the holidays that you can get the travel and i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world uh by any means but absolutely when after i got over the honeymoon phase of being over there because you're not spend you're not saving any money your first couple of years like you got to establish yourself you're trying to experience things you know you're going out you're spending money you're traveling you're doing all those so you know those last five years was just like focus save build capital hoard cars and you know that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell you don't even know how many cars you own do you no <laughs> you see what i'm saying so like gary it's funny you're gonna see you're gonna see when you come down here it's like this quiet whisper when chris is around like where does this dude get his money like you will hear it i promise you it's every show i go to every time you mention his name ask that dude this <laughs> so i just make jokes about it at this point because at the end of the day ultimately it's really no one's business but it is one of those things where it's like you have the this uh I don't know, the infamous, right? Like you said, like you explained, I guess that's the best way to put it. Well, so, an infamous has got a hell of a lot better ring than the drug dealer project. So yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no but, doubt know, about it. I'm like, actually, I, I want to say Mimi, you and I had this conversation offline one time. We were bullshitting on the phone and um, it's funny how some people have, like everybody's got their own understanding of what, level of debt they're comfortable living with versus what they're willing to pay cash for and things of that nature. And this has got nothing to do with Chris guys, just in general, I can remember my wife and I a couple years ago, well, a few years ago now we were living in Alberta at the time, but we're surrounded by people that everybody's got decent jobs and young families and people are going on holidays, like some two, three, four times a year. And me and my wife are looking at each other going like, holy fuck, like I can't even remember what Mexico smells like. Like it's been a while, you know? And it typically comes out in conversation that, you know, so-and-so got, I don't know, say they were on a trip and, and something bad happened. They had to use the credit card to pay a medical expense or something, but they had no room on their credit card to even buy their way out of the goddamn hospital. You know, so it's a funny thing when you try to gauge this stuff, especially if, well, for me, if you're wired, like I, I'm not going to buy it unless I got it to pay for it. And then you look at people that got a whole bunch of splashy stuff and you're like, how the hell is this going on? Like, you know, I work my ass off, but right. you know, what's funny though, when you say that I was, I've had a couple conversations with a couple of close friends of mine and it's funny it's probably a whole other topic of conversation i think from you know as we get older some of those older friends that we have as we evolve sometimes it's harder to have conversations with older friends especially i think from an entrepreneurial standpoint and it's all about surrounding yourself with like-minded people and tom that's why i just i love talking with you all the time because all the creativity all of the up and up all of that is always there you know, you're always going to want to try and hustle and get more. And me and Gary talk about it all the time, how like shit, we were doing tests, a test mic run last night and we're always drinking beer. The both of us 
like just randomly both had wine glasses in our hand drinking fucking red wine like it was just <laughs> like on the same like Classy. <laughs> whatever you want to call that when you know what do, what do girls call that when they're on their fucking oh, i don't even know man yeah so um but but back to that point of kind of the the spending and, and everything else i actually i find myself Sometimes I got to push like just it, it's all about taking that risk, but knowing that you took it like and being smart about it, because I feel like if sometimes you kind of push the limit and I've always done it, it's like I want to have, you know, a good amount of money in the bank and you have that little safety net there or whatever, just in case something happens. And then it's like, well, how much do you really just want? Sitting around like what if something happens to me tomorrow and I could have. Mm -hmm you know, bought that and sold that or did this or did that. I almost feel like sometimes spending almost gives me a little bit more drive from the hustle perspective. Cause it's like, okay, I spent it. Now let's Gotta make a way to pay for it. You know what I mean? Make up for it. So that way it's like, I'm always going to keep climbing the ladder and not just kind of, I guess. Coasting. Yeah. Coasting. So you, I had no intentions on asking this question and, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask because you just said something that, that made me think of something. And Gary knows I always talk about this. I always think with I was real close to my dad the way he passed away. It always makes me think long term down the road because none of us are gonna be here forever. Right. So with a car collection like yours, actually I have two things to say about this. Number, let me just start here. Number one, I get it because with the amount of money I have invested in my car, I could own 15. Okay. So I, I, I get it as what you're describing about, uh, you know, say Matt's car, how much he has in it, you, whatever you do a lot with a little number two, with a car collection like yours, um, you just, you just mentioned like, if something were to happen to you, have you made plans if something were to ever happen to you, what happens to that car collection? I mean, God, God yeah. forbid. And I, I would, you know, I don't even like saying those words, but it is a real question like if something were to happen to you, have you made plans for that? I better be in that fucking will. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a plan. Um, there, there's a couple of vehicles that are pretty sentimental, not only to me, but to some of my very close friends. And for anybody who knows me well enough would know that I don't just have my cars for me. Like, my cars have always been something to create memories or go on journeys or, or, or just do something. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I just did a reel the other day and, and, and it was literally, you don't see me dri driving my car. I'm the one filming all of my friends driving all of my cars, you know, to and from a car show. And honestly, it's, it's so, I don't know fulfilling or rewarding in a way and you know everybody all my friends have sort of gravitated to certain individual cars so i don't think there would necessarily be any fighting i do have a plan of you know which cars would potentially go to which people um should something happen and uh, my better half as well i know she's been extremely supportive in, in so many ways she was never 
she never would have known what a fox body was and honestly probably couldn't even have cared but it's sort of like the passion and everything has literally like rubbed off to the point where you know the, the cars are almost just as important to her as they are to me and i think to her it'd be just important to whatever type of legacy i can create or live on or you know what maybe these cars could actually be worth something or be displayed somewhere or whatever you know i've had some crazy ideas of even like creating an airbnb around my shop and creating automotive immersive experiences for anybody who wants to come chill and hang out you know what i mean so um the there's always there's a plan and then there's always some other crazy plans in my head so right. i get it sh she'll be able to sort it out now if if both of us go um you know there's there's a plan for that as well yeah just i mean again i'd hate to ask that question but that's a real world question i mean you have a lot of cars spread out a lot of places so i mean i was just curious about it myself and you know sorry if that crossed the crossed the line no, but it, i was just something that i was definitely interested in in hearing you it's know what that's buddy no it's um i think it's an important thing me and gary have actually well gary's actually talked about um some things like he's got more i guess to worry about than just cars he's he's got his daughters right and and he's put um some awesome pieces together for them that um is awesome you know for me it's just me and my better half and the cat so i can't leave cars to the cat unfortunately um i guess i could but uh he wouldn't be driving them <laughs> so right. yeah you know good question and i think that it's important for anybody out there and and you learn this you know being abroad and you're in a different country with different laws that was something that actually you know it um it motivates you to make sure that you got some plans in place should something happen because you know if something happens and, and and you're not from your own country then uh some different laws can can take over and then sometimes nobody ends up with anything so you know it, it's just good planning everybody should live like it's their last day if they can right for sure yeah. tom you know buddy going off of uh one of your guys's pods most recent episodes there um shit i'm drawing a blank on the fellow's name but the fellow with the cobra that got mm -hmm. the uh the burnout spray right yep yep I listened to that one there fresh off the press the other day and uh great episode by the way but uh more so like i think it brings a lot of this stuff into perspective now granted that's just one side of it in that you know our cars are special to us and therefore you need to worry about that aspect of things but to go off of what your question just was being like you know are you prepared and to build off of what I was saying earlier about God forbid you end up in that hospital bed one day. Like, I guess where I'm going with all this is if you try your best to live as if the next 30 minutes isn't guaranteed to you, you can accomplish some amazing things and not only accomplish amazing things, you can also be prepared for so much more. Now I will admit that it's not a, I don't want to say stressful way to live your life because it's not stressful. I mean, it's just being like blissfully aware of the fact that nothing being, guaranteed. It's being real, Gary. It's being real. My, my, I've told you before, I, I was talking to my father 
like you and I are talking right now in my kitchen. And eight weeks later, the man was gone, mm. gone. So it's not, it's not, we always all think we have 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I mean, that that's, that's just our mentality, but it's real to talk about, Hey man, listen, I have a dangerous job, right? So I can go to work tomorrow. I work with 230,000 volts and up every single day. So to me, I have to have plans like that because it's not just me. I worry about it's the next guy. It's the equipment blowing up. It's, and then I think about like, okay, well, my daughter's 10, uh, you know, my, neither one of them, my wife or my daughter can drive stick shift. They don't need 900 horsepower. What am I going to do with this car? You know, and, yeah. and I almost need a placeholder for that car. Um, until my daughter's old enough to really take the reins of it. And then, and then I need to decide like, okay, do I have that placeholder, make the car an automatic? Do I have that placeholder, take the turbo off of it? Like, like I have to, I personally think about all this stuff because of my life experiences and I don't have near the collection. Let only you have two Gary, Chris has got, we don't even know how many. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just something I thought of. And you know, it's, it's interesting to hear people's plans for their stuff, you know? So for me, I found, I found a placeholder, you know, where nice. the car will go and then that person will eventually pass it on to, to whoever I decide gets it passed on to. No, so, buddy, I, I just think it like the, the topic, like from a 10,000 foot view perspective, whether it's, you know, going to a car show and getting stuck beside behind some Yahoo doing a burnout or it's, working a shitty job and I, the funny thing with the, the the job thing not to get too far off the beaten path here but you kind of brought it up in in how you were proposing this question i'm like everybody's like you got to make ends meet right so i'm not here to to shit on people that are working a job they don't want to work but i am here to encourage you to like in your off hours like do whatever it takes to make your soul happy. You know, like you just, you have to don't get caught up watching Netflix. Yeah. That's that Gary, that's not to interrupt you, but that's like that Rose quote I sent you that time. Right. Like that's right. Like that's exactly what that is. It's like, so true. Yeah. So I want to just backtrack a little bit. Um, yeah, what is, what's your like what when you got into youtube you said your wife pushed you into youtube yeah man she she pushed me into instagram she pushed me into youtube i had a linkedin profile and it was a stretch just to get me onto that bloody social media platform right so so here's here's a question from a guy for both of you i mean gary you could take it first but here's a question from a guy who just all i am is a guy with a car right that people happen to like and now i do a podcast and i i suppose some people like listen to me maybe they do maybe they don't regardless yep. i'm no i'm nobody but from a guy who doesn't have a youtube channel yeah and has been watching you uh youtubers and and influencers as the word goes yeah for forever, for forever long um everyone always says like i want to keep it real right so everyone always says we don't do it for the money, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But from us guys out here, it would yep. be like, well, why would you do it if there was no reward? Right. Right. So, I mean, if we're being real here, like the hope is on YouTube, I would imagine, again, this is just my opinion. I could be totally wrong, but the hope is you end up with a million subscribers and you're getting paid. Right. I mean, let's not, right. let's be honest about it. Right. I mean, we, yes, YouTube both love spreading knowledge. 
you both love interacting you, meeting people probably comes first and foremost but in the back of your head is it not is it not like i want a million subscribers that get paid i mean let's be honest tell me if i'm wrong I, so uh, sorry chris i i, I just got to uh, well fuck i don't think i say anything short i'll, I'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> don't say anything that's gonna get people to unsubscribe no shit no dude like i mean i know as corny and and cliche as it sounds like i quite honestly just like love helping i really truly do and tom you being a dad and i know how much your daughter means to you like this is how much it means to me like i swear on my daughter's eyes like i literally my wife gives me shit all the time even though she was the one to talk me into doing the damn thing she's like guy you're working backwards here like you, you you pretty much make nothing but the amount of time you're putting into this goddamn thing right and, and you're doing it after you worked you know two full days in the same 24-hour period kind of thing so i first and foremost i really do love it and i also made a commitment to myself once it started to gain a little bit of traction which wasn't expected i i just kind of did it because i i wanted to help and and again, my wife talked me into doing it, but once it started to gain some traction, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a promise to myself that I'm going to do one video a week. I'm going to try to put my heart and soul into it, which is kind of goofy because when you get, which I don't get a lot of, but when you do get shitty comments, you're like, for fuck's sakes, man, like, do you have any idea what I put into this for nothing? Like I literally just gave you a free entertainment, you know, or whatever I gave you. So, um, now I guess as an end goal, like I would love nothing more than to have YouTube as a full-time gig, I guess, because it's one of those businesses that, um, I know there's a technical term for it, but it's like, you know, you, you can technically make money while you sleep and you can do it from anywhere in the world. So, the freedom that that allows a person potentially if you can accomplish that is like that's almost better than winning the lotto because right. it's, it's continuous and i i, I do have and, a good and you get to do something that you love at the same time you get to talk about show teach all that at the same time yeah man and like well shit tom i mean look at me and you like we still haven't shaken hands it's coming in a couple of months but right I would have never met you buddy right i would have never met chris like this these stupid channels or stupid like social media platforms for as much shit as i talk about them and again i got daughters and they're like oh my friends are on TikTok." i'm like that'll be the fucking day you're on TikTok, okay right now i'm gonna let you know so anyway it's it's given me it, it's it's worked in a really good way for me because it's opened the world up or it's made the world seem smaller, right? We're 3000 miles apart from each yeah. other in two different directions. And we may as well be sitting in the same garage bullshitting and having a beer right now. You know, it's um, funny because it's funny because we were talking about this the other night on um, the podcast about, and I, I had a real negative kind of attitude towards social media in a way until the last time we did this. And Chris kind of like, said something that opened my eyes to it. like, exactly. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have met Chris. Like, you know, it's definitely, I've definitely have a, a different view after that conversation. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know. I was just curious and I want to hear Chris's response to that too. Like, because it's so hard for us. I mean, listen, you guys are technically YouTubers, right? I am technically not. So the conversations that go on, you know, behind the scenes that you guys may not hear, uh, with the term YouTuber, right? I got to ask you guys is, is about the money. Like, is it, is that a goal of it? I mean, that's a real question that we want to know. So what do you think? Let me hear your answer, Chris. (laughs) Honestly, not about the money to a certain extent, because I feel like if you make it about the money, you're going to drive yourself nuts and and you're not going to survive. It's not it's not as easy as people think. And just like Gary said, it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of consistency. It's a lot of trial and error. And, you know, editing is not easy. Some people, it's easier than others. Like, I think if you're an information-based channel and you're literally just doing, like, product reviews or maybe you're reviewing cars or just kind of, like, one one shot or one area filming, so to speak, or, like, one element, that's one thing. But I struggle, man, because, like, whether I'm doing something in the interior and then I'm moving into engine bays and then I'm doing this and I'm moving the camera around and you're trying to do all these things... And I just finished one on the twin turbo coyote swap car on doing a bunch of interior stuff. That video will be up. Well, his pod will be up after that video is up, but like that one, you know, it's 40 minutes long and it was, it filled a whole, what am I running? 128 gig, um, stick of, uh, of memory. And you know what I mean? It's, it's a job. Yeah, in other, words, it's a, in other words, you guys, it's a full time job that you're doing on top of other things in life. Yeah, and, and and the reality, I guess, to kind of get to the point of all of this is that the Fox body market, as much as I love it, only stretches so far. And YouTube is, it, it, it's right on you, right? It's always like if you got to stay focused and you got to kind of stay within a niche area, which the Fox body is it. If I do a video on my dad's 58 Corvette, results aren't good. If I do a video on my 65 Lincoln, the results aren't good. If I keep it Fox body, everything is, you know, analytics are positive. But at what point do you, or like, even if you want to branch out and become more general, you know, like, and and, and try and get a larger audience? Because well, even look at the other established channels. Look at Brutal. Look at Foxcast. Foxcast has got you know a different business model in the way that he kicked things off back in in the early days and everything else. And has you know they both got really good followings. But even if I had either one of their channels, that to me isn't making it or enough to live off of just YouTube money. And and I don't think either one of those guys or any of us just in Fox bodies would get to that millions of dollars or whistling diesel money, if you will. And Uh, I I don't, Chris, I don't, I don't personally believe that, but there, there is always conversation about, you know, so-called on, you know, quote unquote YouTubers and this, that, and the other thing. So it's just something I wanted to touch base with you guys on because you guys have a little experience with it. You know, I don't like I tell anybody that wants to get into it, like be prepared to work and and pretty much not get paid. Um, it's, it's like a, a free internship. Do you, yeah. guys, do you guys think that like when you try to branch out in other things, 
that it doesn't do well because you've already established like your base as far as Fox bodies go? Like, like if you slowly started going into another direction, do you think you would pick up traction there? Or is it just, there's not that Avenue out there on YouTube? Like Fox bodies is just where. No, I, 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 I think there's a lot of different areas. Like I think for instance, if I started documenting a lot of Godzilla swaps, um, that would definitely get some legs. Um, but again, you're just going to want to almost have a different playlist or the question would be, do you have a different channel? Like, do I have the infamous project Godzilla builds and then focus that channel on that and then keep the infamous project known for Fox body stuff over here? Because I've done that test with Instagram. You know, I've done it where I've had all my cars versus like just the silver Dutch coupe. And to be honest, just the silver Dutch coupe. I could have caught that up to the infamous project and probably surpassed it if I wanted to just by staying on that same car versus having this content that's diversified. You know what I mean? Whether it's a lightning or. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually interesting to me. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, when, whenever I threw a picture up of my Ferrari, when I had it, it was the worst performing posts that I could ever put up, which, you know, whatever. But, um, for me, YouTube, if I can make enough where it could pay somebody to do my social media, my content creation, my editing, that is my goal. I don't even, you know what? I'm not trying to make YouTube a full-time thing. I don't right. want to retire off it. If it can just pay to take all of that off my plate so that I don't have to be glued to my phone half the time and... You know, because it's a lot, man. And and you probably know it just from Instagram when you get messages from people, they ask you questions, but like I get it off my Facebook page, I get emails, I get phone calls, I get YouTube, yeah. like I mean, all these different channels, and, and I want to respond to everybody and I can do it, but like it's almost like if somebody just either like weeded out the stuff that doesn't need to be there, says, Okay, you need to get back to these people edit my footage for me. I'd still want to make sure that it's getting produced in a way that I would produce it myself. Um, that's my end goal. If right. It, right. Can be it, a, I, I get it. Listen, because reality, that that's yeah. all I want. Yeah. I get it because like with my Instagram and now doing this pod, like sometimes it's almost a full-time job for me on top of my job. So I can't imagine having, I can't imagine having a, a big YouTube channel, uh, Instagrams, Facebooks, TikToks podcasts like i can't even imagine handling all of that like that's it's impressive guys that's impressive that's for sure so is it the podcasts are the least of our worries that's why we enjoy them right Right. it's pretty much turn the mic on bullshit for a couple hours and then download upload and you know you don't have to worry about the audience or editing stuff out this is this is as raw and as real as it can get yeah. So, so Gary, do you, psychology. do you think it's, do you think it's harder being in Canada for content? You know, bud, like I, well, the biggest thing that I, I miss out on, especially inside of the last couple of years with everything going on, but is just, you're not in the mix necessarily. Right. But, right. and I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but I kind of wonder I'm always curious what other people think, especially if you're coming from outside 
of Canada. And I mean, I've looked and, and tried to pay attention to not pay attention to, but it just kind of shows up in the analytics of your videos. Like where are people watching? And it's like probably 80% in the United States. So I almost wonder, or I'd be curious to know, and maybe Foxtoberfest can answer some of this for me, but I'm curious to know if like there's a, a bit of a, a mystery that people like paying attention to because they're like, Oh shit. You know, like I was here at that place way up there in the, in the North, but you know, I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I try to throw, you know, little tidbits here and there about Canada, um, in my videos or, or whatever. But so I wonder if maybe it, it helps me a bit in that people want to know a little bit more about Canada too. And, or that we've got just as strong, Obviously, it's like 10 times smaller. We're only 30 million people up here. You guys are 300. But uh, we've got a strong Fox body community. And uh, just relatively speaking, right? It's just 10 times smaller. Yeah, true. I mean, there's some really nice cars out there from what I've seen, though. Some hidden gems. So, well, you, I mean, you look at those guys out in Toronto, right? Like Joey Boost and Paul DeFox and stuff. Like, man, there's some sick stuff. Like, I don't have hold a candle in the wind to these guys like they're they're upper echelon of proper car i wish i could see some of these cars in person you know it's it's i really do because i see pictures and it's like man that thing looks mint minty right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole nother conversation <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's interesting to see um you know it's funny because like paul the fox you i mean it's 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 neat to see you guys like again so without social media this doesn't happen so it's a, yeah. it's a positive you know well like uh, the reality of it buddy like social media in some ways breaks down a ton of i don't know if maybe i wanted to say breaks down a ton of barriers but maybe it just like cracks the door for more conversations and and better understandings of the fact that well there's a lot of people I'm sure if you walked around on in various bigger cities of the United States and said, Hey, do people in Canada live in houses or igloos? You probably hear igloo a lot, right? <laughs> like, and I mean, dude, like, well, you guys, I, I referenced my tan earlier. Like we're hotter than the hubs of hell right now. And, uh, granted we get snow, but you know, Tommy, you're out, you're in the Northeast. Like you yeah. the same weather we do. So yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I know. I, I'd give up snow for uh, for more. If snow. I never saw another snowflake for as long as I lived, I would be a happy, happy man. This is true, bud. So, let's talk about some Fox Body stuff. Deal. <laughs> I gotta know, Gary. You had a choice, okay. Celine or Dash? Which do you take? Oh my! Oh, there's no. Oh, I can't. No, you have to pick. Okay, and we're talking like full clip like a full proper detch or a full yep. proper yep clean numbered numbered car um holy shit you know buddy on a side note i figured you were gonna throw something at me today that was gonna put me on my heels and this is probably I'm not it <laughs> i'm not done yet <laughs> okay good um shit i mean I'm so close to 50 50. It's not even funny on this. Like this is a real hard pick, but 
I think I would probably enjoy um, like air quote showcasing a Detch more based on what I know now because of the fact that it's not really that known. Um, whereas, you know what I mean? Like you show up in a Celine, it's like, that's a Celine. Like you pretty much got to be living under a fucking rock to not know what that is. Right. So I think I'm going to go fucking, I'm talking like 50.01%. I'm leaning towards Dutch. So, so here's the thing, like, oh, fuck, I always want to say this, but I agree. <laughs> Do you I really? Agree. Oh, yeah, I do. It, don't tell Jesse this. <laughs> but, you know, if you had asked me eight months ago, true story, mm -hmm. I would have told you keep them both. You know, because I'm. Everyone knows I'm not impressed with Celine's. I get it. I understand the value. I understand the history. I understand all that. They do nothing for me. Okay. But Dash has grown on me in a big way and yeah. i would literally say the past eight to ten months especially after i drove chris's white car that was probably that probably sealed the deal for me on it like i'm really into them now so i don't know about the hatchbacks just yet like i'm not completely i haven't i've only ever seen one hatchback in person but the notch for sure like i feel like i need to own one i don't know I mean, what it is <laughs> but so here's the question conversations going so here's a question for chris you own Ferraris, dude. Why do you why do you prefer a Fox body over a Ferrari? What's what is it about the Fox body that intrigues you more than a Ferrari? I think well, there's a number of things. Number one, Fox body was the first car. It was sort of like the dream to to own. You know what I mean? And it's just sort of almost in my DNA. I'm always going to want a Fox, and trying to think if there was a point while i was in the middle east when i didn't even own a fox there might that might actually be a thing I, I need to think about it a little stronger because there was a time you know i didn't even once i sold my lightning i went over to the dark side i got an srt 10 you know my viper truck i got my e39 bmw and then i had the ferrari and and a bike it was like what more could I ask for? And then it was all of a sudden like, man, I, I miss an old pile of nuts and bolts of a Fox body and rattles and squeaks and I guess just cheap old fun and memories. Right. So the other reality, just like you said with, I mean, for the cost of the Ferrari and I mind you, man, I stole the Ferrari that I had, like not literally, but in terms of price, you know, it was only drug dealer project. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> honestly, guys, there, there are a dime a dozen out there, right? And everybody wants the newest model. So I had, what was it, an 09, 08, 09 F430. And I think I was into it for 82 or mm. somewhere around there, 78 or 82. Like, it wasn't that much money, like in when you're talking Ferrari, right? And it was sort of like, man, you know, even at that, at that time, it was like I could have 10 Fox bodies and I just am an individual who likes options and I like diversity. It's sort of like, Oh, what pair of shoes am I wearing today? Oh, I'm going to wear this pair of shoes, which means I need to drive that car so that they match. Like <laughs> it's right. I have this very weird. And, and that's not a joke. I had a pair of shoes for when I drove the Ferrari. I had 
Like, no, you I, did not. Bro. They like the Pumas. Like, come on. Did you no, they were that? they were a pair of DCs that were black. And I'm gonna yellow. let you. I'm gonna let you edit this part out. <laughs> um, well, Gary just wears flip flops, so. Fucking <laughs> hey, hey, you know what, man? I, I enjoyed nothing more than wearing my DCs and cruising around in like a wife beater and a backwards hat in that Ferrari. And just honestly not giving a fuck. I didn't care about people looking at me. I didn't care about how I looked. And that honestly, that's the reason why I ended up buying that car is because, you know, I rolled up, I was driving the Viper truck and I saw yellow, this yellow F430. Yellow is the only color Ferrari that I said that I would own um, should it present itself. And it had black with yellow stitching interior. And I was just like, man holy hell. And I'm looking at it and I was just dressed in like street clothes. I didn't look anything fancy. And the guy treated me normally. And Mm. that's probably the result of why I ended up buying it just because it was, you know, there was no judgment. There was no nothing else. The guy treated me like I was a prospective buyer and shit. I ended up making the deal on it and was like, holy fuck. Well, I guess I tick that goal off the the list because i said i'd have a ferrari by 30 so um that's sort of where it was and then you know it's like okay i got it it was fun to drive but i rather have more options now if things really take off and i got an excess amount of cash laying around i'd buy another one 100 i'd buy another one but you know what i'm going to modify it same way i did that i dropped it down i had custom um custom wheels on it and exhaust and everything else and i do the same hey nice sorry tommy i know this is your show but no no it's all right i'm asphyxiated on these dcs so (laughs) i'm curious to know like are we talking proper like chunky dcs with like the big tongue and its shoes are barely laced like wide Oh, so like low profile, fucking built for <laughs> speed. You know, you're not going to step on the clutch when you should step on the brake, kind of. Thing. Yeah. So, so those DCs were actually almost like a a trainer. They they were really weird. They were not a skate shoe by any means. They were actually a really narrow shoe. I'd run in them. Um, yeah, it was. I don't even know how I found them. So, for anybody who doesn't know, I have a shoe pro. I have a shoe and a hat problem. So, <laughs> I literally. Shit, guys, I, I got like three racks of high of like 10 foot closet, like shoes, and then just walls full of hats, like different colors and everything else. So, yeah, huge. You're, guys, arm wrestling for, you're arm wrestling for closet space. Well, we got our own closets, thankfully. That's that was a key selling feature of this property because you're not- when, when Brittany joined me in Dubai. I actually had a really badass closet and it was like corporate was on the one side with all the three piece suits and the fancy ties and all of that shit. And then the whole other side was my streetwear. Now, mind you, I barely ever got the opportunity to be in my streetwear because you're working so damn hard and you're stuck in the other side, but it was there and it was so nice and organized and had my watch box with all my watches and my hats all in the rack and then fuck i had to make room for britney it was it was tough but it worked out 
and then here we have our own closets. So um, I think both of us wish that both the closets were bigger. Like we always said, honestly, for anybody who has like a five bedroom house to us, it'd be four bedrooms plus closet. Like that's I, Jesus Christ. I, I per- plus two closets. I pretty much just live in work clothes. I got for all that. And, and, and it's Tom, it's such a weird fucking thing because I have all of these like t-shirts, hats, shoes, whatever. And it's like, I just like knowing that they're there. It's like owning a convertible. I'm not putting the fucking top down. I just know I can put it down. Right. Like, like I don't I know really I can shoot. wear that stuff. I might not ever get around to wearing it, but I know it's there. I get it. I get it. I do. Did you drag all the suits back with you? You got them here? Um, I have a good number of them because here's the thing about me is that if I don't like to kind of half-ass a situation, so if I need to look good, I, I'm i going to go all in. So even though people, you could get away with like a nice pair of pants and a button-up shirt, I just went to the fucking extreme. Like tailoring suits out there was so affordable and you were getting really nice fabric. I had just I went to the tailor. I got custom stitched suits and my own shirts. I had my own embroidery done on my cuffs. I had a whole cufflink collection. Um so some of the shirts I tossed just because they were getting like a little worn out and just kind of weren't worth or wasn't worth moving, but um they are here and all i can say is hopefully there's some weddings or some special occasion something because i i I don't mind dressing up on occasion i just didn't like wearing that shit every fucking day chris i'm with you man i did the exact same thing like i I don't have many but i have two like like a gray one a black one and i had them tailor fit especially i'm a really tall skinny guy you're similar you just walk in the store, you don't find nothing that fits proper. Yeah. Like for yeah. I mean, my, my building. And and it's nice when it fits right. Because I think that's the yeah. other thing. People always like, oh man, I'm in a suit. I don't, I don't feel good. It's, yeah, because you don't have it fucking fitting right. Like exactly. the right stuff. And then like, you know, you can clean yourself up and you can actually, you know, sometimes feel good about yourself and be like, damn, you know, but. I get it. Not often because yeah, I, I, hate, I hate dressing like that, but yeah, I, that's I not my vibe <laughs> but when i gotta do it it's gotta be right yeah the missus misses that aspect so here's a little story that happened the other day i was taking taillights out of the calypso car and i don't know if you guys watched the video but at a certain point it's like you know the the nuts that go on to hold the taillights on from factory they have like a little bit of sealant around them to keep water coming in through those holes so whatever somebody put on there was the stickiest, gooeyest, like nastiest shit. Like it wasn't even like butyl tape is kind of nasty when it gets hot, but this was like worse than that. Like I don't even know how to describe it. So it was a Sunday when I was pulling that car apart and it was just sort of like whatever. I was in my flip-flops. I'm like, I got nothing better to do. I'm gonna go to the shop, I'll fucking tear some of the this car down, get it ready for paint. And I showered up. I thought I got all of everything off me that needed to be off me. And me and the missus are watching Netflix and chilling, doing whatever. And she opted to buy a white sofa, which it looks nice. 
needless to say, some of this fucking shit was on my foot and it didn't <laughs> off in the shower. So I got up and I see these two marks in the white sofa. I'm just I hit I'm like fuck me. She's like, what? And she yeah. looked and like she was real bad. And I get it. It would have been the same as her like dropping something, scratching a car in the shop. You know what I mean? I, I can completely appreciate where she was coming from. And she's like, it's dry clean only. Like this isn't coming off. She's got the baking soda and everything else. I'm like, babe, I'm like, baking soda ain't fucking taking that shit out. Like <laughs> I'm like tomorrow. Tomorrow when you're not looking, I'm gonna bring something home and I'm gonna get this out, but do not look at what I do. So the next morning I ran down to uh tractor supply company, got a a jug of odorless mineral spirits and you know cotton or q-tip cotton swab it on there and i managed to get it out and i'm just like don't fucking ask right <laughs> worry about done. here it's done it's done that's it well you know what's the worst fuck we get off on the craziest goddamn tangents i i, I hope people <laughs> that's what one of the things they love about these conversations but the worst is the bottom of your arm Oh, right, like right like, here where you can't see. Yeah. 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 Like you go into the house, you're polished right up. Hey, eh? hands are as clean as could be. And then you go and do something. You're like, what the fuck do I got down here? Like Christ almighty. Anyway, it's funny. Hey, Tommy, we're stealing your show, buddy. Let's no, no, you're, it's not my show. It's yours. I'm just here to ask questions <laughs> that I'm curious about. So we'll go back to Fox body stuff. Uh, where do you guys see? I ask this question a lot because I'm always curious. Where do you guys see um, like Fox bodies going? What I mean by that is like builds, like the newer builds. Do you see, do you see them going more like high end, more factory? Like, what are you guys seeing out there? You want me to start here, bud? Uh, um, I, you know, what's funny here, I guess I've, I've got my own little barometer with funny enough. It's, it's kind of my YouTube channel and that, you know, if you, you touch on a certain subject and like it resonates with people, I think it in some ways gives you a little bit of an indication of where people's heads are at. And buddy, I did this video here recently on this GT 40 package. I picked up off, you know, like the junkyard Explorer shit. And, uh, Christ, it it's really resonated with people. I mean, I would say probably as strongly as it did back in the 90s, like when people were first realizing that they could find a road off Explorer and get these parts, right? Um, so I, again, yeah, I, I know like your question is more like, what's your gut feeling? So I think that it's probably going towards more of that like let's remind ourselves of what made these things special for us back in the day um you know well you're a great example of a buddy i mean you've got a car that's as modern as anything else out on the road um there's a handful of them that come to mind uh you know you're just out with mario right he's got a, a very impressive coupe um you know there's I, so I, I almost wonder if maybe we've 
and not to say that those builds are, are going to stop, but they'll still occur and whatever. But I, I kind of wonder if maybe the, and well, here's another side of it. I know I'm all over the place here, but those things will always draw attention because everybody loves seeing like pristine 10 out of 10 resto style mint, if you will, builds. But I think for like the vast majority of people that are maybe doing this on a budget and and in their garage, you know, like I I get a sense that that nostalgic build or even like turning them back OEM kind of builds are are starting to resonate again with people because it reminds us of all the things that we knew and loved when we first fell in love with these cars, right? I think um, there's going to be the pedigree aspect of things isn't going to change. And in fact, that's going to get stronger. You know, our, our 93 Cobras, our Celines, if I can continue to raise values in Dutch cars, your 93 Reef Blues, your original black interior 505 speed cars, all of that will carry on in the path of just how all classic cars go. There's a demand. That, the difference, I think, is that with the power of social media and everything else that's going on, there is a greater awareness. There is a greater marketplace that's out there. There was more of these things made compared to, say, our 60s classic Mustangs or any of those guys. But with that said, I personally wouldn't be surprised if somebody knocked out an aftermarket shell and started creating some sort of build your own kit. I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened yet, kind of like the Eleanor did. I would almost say there would be a business case for it to at least make X amount, whether it could be an ongoing thing or there'd be a limited run of these aftermarket shells running around that could help fulfill, I guess, some of the void or help fulfill those that want to make extreme custom builds yet not butcher something that's original and OEM or not have to deal with something that's rusty and you're trying to change every single last. Like the reality is by the time you're changing floor pans, frame rails, everything else, you've pretty much built the car. So to me, it's why hasn't somebody come out with those pieces all welded together quarters on kind of like the project zero car that me and uh jordan found up in canada that fell off right for for carpet placement um just something like that you know and i think that that would be really beneficial to the community because it just opens up so many different doors and so many avenues is it going to be oe quality probably not like no other aftermarket piece really is right but it's going to give people opportunity to start with a really clean foundation and build their own shit. I would love to get on that train. I would, you know what I mean? Buy me 10 of those Dutch kits, Godzilla swaps, whatever it is. Let's go. Right. Build the suit and just knock them out. So I don't know if me personally, Gary, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that we're going backwards. I mean, I guess everyone has their own experience, but I can name, off the top of my head that I personally know personally know 
six six figure cars being built as we speak. Not right, hey. Right. Like six of them I know of personally. They're just yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Tom. I, I think the the people who are serious and getting real, like I said, that's not going anywhere. That's gonna con- continue to grow. And in fact, all that the market has done in the past few years has motivated the people with the pockets to do it to pull the trigger because they know the value is there. It's not like, oh, okay, this five thousand dollar shitbox fox body that they were selling for 10 years ago, why would you throw a hundred grand at that? Now you see those five thousand dollar cars selling for twenty five, thirty thousand. Yeah, that'll throw a hundred thousand dollars at. You know what I mean? So right it's it's all relative i think me and gary have talked a little bit about it actually with joey boost the mid-market area maybe is dipping a little bit with just kind of the way that the market is but i think anything that is north of if you're buying a thirty thousand dollar car off the get-go you can afford to put five thousand dollar wheels on it you can afford to put a ten thousand dollar paint job on it you can do all of those things when you're buying and this is sort of my business model when I was in high school. It was always buy a Fox for between three and four thousand, two thousand for paint, thousand for wheels and suspension, sell it just under ten grand and and make sure that there was a couple thousand dollars thousand dollars on the table because everybody would go get a ten thousand dollar car loan. And you could back then. So it was they're going to borrow the money to buy it. I'm making some money. Now, if you, I built a car and I wanted to ask $12,000, I'd be sitting on it because it's out of scope and it didn't work in the business model at the time. Sort of the same thing now, but obviously the market's exploded. Right. I feel like... Go ahead, Gary. Go ahead. Maybe, so just to bring this full circle, like after seeing what I said and, and hearing what you guys had to say, it, it kind of reminded me of something. I actually... I got this tin kind of wall hanger poster that my mom's recently bought me here and it's kind of all the different generations of Mustang. So those two things combined made me think of this. Like if you rewind the clock back to kind of the mid to late eighties, early to mid nineties, like it was kind of the, the Fox body platform that spawned this whole Here's a platform that you can literally build your own dream with, right? Now, I get it. Like people had had done that since the start, but never was there like four magazines on the shelves that you could literally buy all the parts you were ever going to need to build your dream car with. So I think the cool thing is like 30 some odd years later, here we sit with people literally doing the exact same thing that they did 30 years ago. Like, you know, Tom, you, you've built a dream. Uh, you know, Chris and I have built various dreams, like with the cars that we, we kind of picture in our minds and people are still doing it, which I think is a, a unreal testament to these goddamn buckets of bowls, you know, like they're, they're literally still doing the same Thing for people and i think that's 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 a pretty sweet testament to these cars i think that there's some sweet spots in a lot of different vehicles 
and the Fox body just kind of, they, they nailed it. And that's just sort of in terms of an era, because like, even when I'm driving my lightning, you know what I mean? I, I'm almost in awe every time I get in it and I'm driving. I'm like, this thing is fucking 22 years old, but it looks fucking awesome. It goes fast. It's just a blast to drive. And, you know, you roll up. I, pa I pass dozens of that era of F-150 down here on a daily basis. But it's like just those little tweaks that Ford did to the Lightning specifically. The E39 M5 BMW will always be an icon, arguably the best M car ever built to this day. And I think similarly for the Fox body and the 87 through 93, and no offense to four eye guys, but I think just th those little tweaks is just something people know the marker lights, they know the 5 emblem, they know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's those things that will forever just, they stick in your mind. And the interiors ultimately aren't that bad. Like we all give them like whatever, the bezels around the door handle and stupid little ashtray doors and shit like that. But generally speaking, like they're, they're a decent together pile of nuts and bolts that have become so versatile and showcased in so many ways we've seen how many movies and tv shows and everything else like i don't know i, I think they just got it right so that's yeah, why it'll forever kind of go on the sn95 will it be able to pull numbers and interest like the the foxes no like they will climb an interest there'll be the same thing the pedigree cars and this and that and the next thing it's not going to be a Fox body new edge, uh, unless it's the Terminator Cobra, not going to do what the Fox body did. That's the other thing about the Fox body. It broke the whole gasoline, the whatever poor yeah. fuel economy, four cylinder bullshit. Like it was, we're back to V8 power guys. Like, and that was, you know what I mean? A, a huge milestone. To me, the Fox body is just, it's the perfect platform. To, to combine old school and new like you still have old school american muscle but i can it's it, i you know the four link suspension like all that stuff is just a perfect platform for me to blend the two and make what i mean you could just do it. it's endless it's endless what you could do with it. i mean look at my cluster look at the holly i mean look at look at all the stuff that you can do to these things now it's just the perfect combination the four link suspension is huge it's it's just a perfect platform to make like a, a pro mod or resto mod in my my opinion you know but, you can yeah. go any direction you want this is the right them, right uh and i think it goes back to my my magazine analogy like you could go any direction you wanted with these cars you could have yeah i can't wait for i can't wait for gary to go to foxtoberfest and then you can ask him this question again and he's going to be like holy fuck boys I've been stuck in my goddamn igloo for all these years. <laughs> I drank too many beers. Holy fuck reality check. This is fucking serious. That's what he's going to say. Oh, yeah. It's it's an experience. I'm I'm every, every, every version you can think of will be there. Every version. Right? So it's going to be wild for you, dude. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. for you. I can't wait. I know you guys are uh, spoiled being down in that American market. Um, it's a ride for me but you know how far is it for you buddy uh last year took me 
with the trailer about 13 hours okay you know i think i I think it's MapQuests or whatever, Google or whatever the hell it was I used. It was like set 11, but with the trailer and all that, it was ended up being like 13. Yeah, I think we're, what are we from you, Chris? Like 18 hours? Yeah, I forget. You know what? It doesn't even matter. Like, no. Whatever it says, you might as well as triple it between the beer stops and getting sober and God knows whatever else we get ourselves into. The car will do fine. We got to worry about each other. This is true, right? So uh, here's another one. Yeah. What do you guys think about the shave engine bay trend? Oh, did you watch my video on the Calypso? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so what? Let me hear the opinions on the shave engine bay trend. I hey. personally, I'm going to start this off. Okay. I, I like both. I think both have their place. Um. It just depends on the type of build you're doing. But let me hear what you guys think. I just say, you know what? I, I did my first engine bay in 04, something like that. And I welded all the holes. Like Scott Rod didn't exist then. So it was like you were welding all the holes up in the bay. So things looked relatively factory, just without all the damn holes. And then, of course, you wire tuck, right? So I'm all for making wiring look cleaner and moving stuff around to shave out the bay is i don't like it when it's half-assed and i am not a fan of the scott rod panels i just i feel like they're too flimsy and i just every time i see a shaved bay and i look in there and maybe it's just because i'm literally wanting to find something wrong it's i see a crack i see a wave i see something and my biggest fear is how was it done and was the metal prepared properly was stuff you know did they cut out behind it how well of a job did they do did stuff get sealed how much mud did they use fiberglass did they do this do they do that um and what ultimately is the longevity going to be and if um you guys haven't seen so i had that what was it called the project the little coop that could and that was a friend of mine's car from holy shit uh over 10 years ago he got his engine bay shaved and he literally welded more like a full piece of steel along the frame rail to strengthen it up plus it was part of the whole shaved engine bay fiasco and that was an old man's car and there wasn't a spot of rust anywhere that car ultimately ended up getting shipped out to uh vancouver island out of all places and then you know he life progression sold me the car i got it back i did everything to it and you know put it back to stock pretty much sold the car and the gentleman who bought it off me about three months later was undoing some of the engine bay shaving because there was some cracks um just naturally in some of the fill and everything else uh from when he had had it done and there was literally a hole in the frame rail from where moisture had gotten in and over years and time of sitting went between those layers and put a hole in it and he's like man you told me this was rust free i'm like it was like 10 plus years ago you put moisture into something and let it sit there for a decade and corrosion is going to happen 
Now he was cool. I actually said, man, listen, I told you it was rust free. Fine. Like how much is it to fix? I split them the cost on the repair bill. And, um, that was that, but like, I didn't like the bays before that. And then that was just sort of like the solidifying moment of just, you know what? Fine. You want to do it, but just make sure you're doing it properly. Make sure you trust who's doing it. Be prepared for some cracks, be prepared for some imperfections. And the worst part is, is once your motor and everything is done in there, you don't want to be in there with a little paint gun trying to like do body work and blowing fucking paint in down in those like, right. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. And I'm generalizing because 9.9 out of 10 engine bay shaves, I guarantee you are done improperly somehow or some way. Right. Plus you have all the heat, the constant temperature changes under there. It's just all that stuff changes. It leads to cracks. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. What do you, what do you think? Are? You're, so just in summary, if you're yep. building a show car, and you want stuff to look pretty and you want it to look the part sure but please like don't fucking do it on a super clean low mile car i'm still trying to talk the guy with the calypso i'm trying to talk him out of it because i'm just like once you do it or weld the holes don't do the panels just weld the holes up what at least there you know what's there and it's only that metal but by putting the panels on and everything else um yeah i i just don't do it to a 93 Cobra. Don't do it to a low mile car. Do it to anything else. <laughs> what yeah. do you think, Um, I, So uh, just one quick point there on that whole Vancouver Island thing. So very, very humid, mild uh, temperatures out there. Um, they very rarely see snow. My brother lives out there. We were just out seeing him last week. And um, he's got this pickup, uh, like a Dodge half-ton pickup. And uh, I opened the door. I'm like, is that mold in your door? What is that? He's like, oh, shit. It's been driving me crazy. It's actually moss growing in the door jam because they live in this humid, you know, temperament. Like, it's it's crazy. So, yeah, humidity is a dangerous thing. Um, okay. Shaved engine base, Tommy. I yeah. – and now, bud – I, I'm not just pumping your tires here. I I like the way that you've done things because, and I know this is a, a a personal thing. Everyone's got their own little deal on it, but I like a nice combination of OEM made better. If that makes any sense, like I, if you go too far away from an OEM feel for me, it just it kind of turns into one of those like purple and yellow cover cars from the nineties. Nothing. Right. I could admire them, but yeah. Right. The scallops and the fucking whatever. Right. I, yeah, I, I don't like those goofy deals. I mean, there, there was a lot of engineering technology that went into these things. Well, maybe not the Fox bodies, but for the most part, there was a lot of, tech that went into these cars and uh i think admiring and and maintaining most of that is is key at least for the way that i'm wired so uh, now i can't admire a nice shaved engine bay i really can actually i was just looking at some pics of mario's car the other day right that hood popped i mean it's fucking clean it just looks like this engine is sitting there 
on the top of a trophy, you know, or, uh, you know, another one there is that, uh, wifey paid. Yeah, that's Mario. But then there's that Calypso car down in Texas, uh, staggered ground. Oh, stay, stay grounded for life. Yeah. 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 So beautiful, right? Like just absolutely stunning. Um, but at the same time, it's it's kind of one of those things, guys. I'm I'm not trying to shit on anyone here, but if I see a shaved engine bay, it kind of resembles undercoat for me. I'm like, what are you trying to hide? Or maybe you're not trying to hide anything, but what lies underneath? You know, I don't know. I, Chris, I, I think me and you have talked about this a, a million yeah. times. Like somebody goes, oh, here's a car. It's got a 331 in it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, really? Like, do you got the fucking paperwork? Can I call the guy? Like, <laughs> is it really a 331? Like, you know, maybe you drive it and it's one of these, like, Friday-built cars that everybody used to talk about that maybe the cam grind was a little steeper than, the, you know, the Thursday-built car and it goes a little quicker. You're like, well, I don't know. It seems to go pretty good, but is it really a 331? Like, so... I, I don't know. I, I really, it's, I like tri- like knowing what the honestly. Here's the best. It really to to describe it. And Tom, you would have seen this in my white coupe, right? Like back in the day, anything you could do to clean or shave or do whatever was the way to go. I was shaving handles. I was shaving lock cylinders. I was shaving gas doors, shaving bays, and molding in detch kits. And as awesome as the kit looks when it's molded in, and and I love nothing more than when you open up that door and that side skirt is molded right into the rocker panel. But at the same time, you are risking hitting something, the car flexing. And, And my car was painted back in whatever, the early 2000s. I got cracks. And and that's just the name of the game, especially when you're as low as my cars are. Things are stiff and things are, are moving and hitting harder. So as good as it looks, you got to sort of be prepared for the potential consequences. So obviously for my silver coupe, I wasn't going to mold the kit in. Now I could have made it look really badass and everything else, but same thing. Like unless it's just a trailer queen or only going to shows. And I think that that's something that we saw a lot in the, 90s and the early 2000s was just fill in moldings like even the honda civic guys like the door moldings they would just spread fiberglass or they would mold the the bezel for the door handle so it was just sort of like it looked like it was just the handle in the body and don't get me wrong it looked it looked sweet when it first but then all of a sudden you know a little bit of time goes by or some moisture gets behind there and you're asking for problems, but right. right. That's so speaking of the name of the game, you you prick (laughs) 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 calling me out on your YouTube video (laughs) for no door molding. So (laughs) we got to talk about this because we didn't get to last time. So I think I'm glad I got a fresh beer. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I recently watched your top 10 things you hate and door molding was number one, right? And you and I have gone back and forth on this a few times now. Yeah. 
I got to disagree with you on one thing. I've, I've, I think I've heard you say in videos, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that if they're not peeling, leave them paint over them, right? Yeah. I totally disagree. I disagree for, for numerous reasons. I'm actually going to use your own words. You said that the door moldings were there to protect the door, right? So if they do their job and they protect your door and that molding gets damaged and you have to replace that molding, now you're going to have paint lines, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, if I generally agree with you on most things, but on this particular one, I think I actually disagree. Like, I feel like you need to take your door moldings off when you paint your car. So maybe I should be, should have been a little bit more specific. I feel like if you are going the same color, um, I would leave them. And if you're doing a color change, yeah, that would it potentially be a bad scenario um, for a number of reasons, which you just mentioned. However, same color, it's just, man, it's hard to get them to look as good as factory. And like once you peel them off, and that's the problem. And I know that's why you haven't stuck them back on your car is because there's just aftermarket and you don't want to deal with any of the potential issues. And you definitely don't want to damage the paint that's on your car as a result of a shitty aftermarket molding starting to wave. And it's probably not coming off. I know you can get it on there where it doesn't come off. Your concern right. is probably like, oh, is it going to start to wave and ripple on the bottom because they do that? And how are you going to fix that or how are you going to avoid it? You probably can't. Like in your scenario, I'd almost just bite the bullet and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to use the best adhesive, like double-sided adhesive that I can, put them on knowing that if it lasts me a year or two years, I'm going to have to repeat this process and put a new set on and keep going from there and you're probably like fuck it i'm just gonna leave them off um so that's sort of where but now you're stuck in a place of will you ever put your door, door moldings back on because you just got the fear of things never looking right where you know what i mean i get it so all right no no no, no. hold on we're gonna get into this in a little bit because <laughs> when you say even if i paint the car the same color leave them on you know what i vision this is what it will look like a quarter molding when you paint tape off a quarter molding, right? That's what the look you would get. So even if you damage it with the same color, you're still going to see paint lines when that molding comes off to replace with a new one. To be honest, I don't think you would. Um, the reality, and, and this is just me and, and, and my approach. So people can disagree all they want. No, no, it's fun. So, so I urethane my moldings on. I, I do not use um, adhesive. So to me, if I had to cut a molding off because it got damaged and put a new one on, by urethane, using urethane, I'm actually going to get that molding closer to the body than the factory had it. And it's almost, and for anybody who really knows Fox Bodies is listening, is going to understand this. When you bolt the front molding on the fender, the front fender, right behind your front bumper. There's like speed nuts that bolt that little piece of molding on. Same thing on the rear quarter panel from the inside. You got to take those speed yep. nuts on. Those moldings get so close to the body panel 
that if you leave them on and you paint your car with those on, the paint will build up there and it will crack because it's built, it, it's built up. The door moldings actually sit in, in the ones on the, on the back parts of the fenders and the, the front parts of the quarters are all on with a, a tape or an adhesive. And they're actually sitting out, call it whatever, um, a couple 30 seconds off the, the panel. But there's enough of a gap there where paint isn't going to build up and, and, and fill that seam. So the reality is if you cut any one of those moldings off and you urethane them on, you're going to get them just as close as those other ones. And in fact, potentially even make them potentially look better. Um, now, if you damage those ones and need to peel them off, you're liable at that point to potentially do some, like you got to be really careful so you don't damage paint. Um, so, so that's the only downfall um, from that perspective, but it's all a gamble, whether you want to put them on and how you want to put them on. And you know what I mean? So that's why I don't feel bad. If the adhesive and everything is good, I'm fine to leave them on and keep everything clean and tidy. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. So I, there is other ways to do it. You and I have actually, I actually messaged you about this. There is a way to do it. It's just pretty pricey. I'm not going to get all into it right now, but I'm coming soon. You guys will see how to do it without a problem. <laughs> But that is my main concern with a car like mine. Like, like, um, I I don't like. I'm so OCD about that little fine detail stuff. You know what they should have done? Like, I they should have made them like mine. Yeah, they should have made them like the other moldings I was like just what? talking about. They they should have made them with speed nuts from the inside of the door. Just roll the glass up, speed nuts, fasten them from the backside. How perfect would that have been? Yeah, perfect. Never lift, never warp, nothing. But yeah, for me, I don't know, man. It's one of those things like I almost feel like I would rather not have them on the car than have warped ones or waved wavy ones. I just feel like it would look worse. And and we both know that this aftermarket part stuff is just getting worse and worse and worse. It's not it's not like it's quality. It's not quality stuff anymore. And it's a it's a shame, but it's true. Yeah, no, I, and that's just it. So you got to kind of just, depending what your situation is and you know what I mean? Depending what the build is and, and you got to sort of, you know what I mean? You build the car around what the essence or the foundation of the car is, right? Like it, if it's a $10,000 build versus a hundred thousand dollar build, you know, there, there's a lot of different variables that can weigh differently on which way you're going to, what your approach is going to be, uh, depending on what you do. And yeah, you don't want to put something on there where you're going to ruin potentially a $20,000 paint job or especially a metallic paint job. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to get into repainting your whole door and then blending into your fenders and your quarter panels and, and whatever. Like that's fine for a daily driver, but um, I, I completely get it, man. And for the record, it's it's Ford's fault for making the moldings carry through the front and the rear bumper covers. Like if they had it done it differently, you could change, you could leave all the moldings off. It's it's just those two, the nose cone and the rear bumper cover that fuck everything up because it, it right. molded into those pieces. 
<laughs> you, you know, it's I find this topic so interesting, and I don't I don't mean to just bring it up because you said something about you know on your YouTube video. I actually laughed. I laughed. I played it back. My daughter thought it was the funniest thing. Ah, oh, Dad, he's talking about you. Whatever. So, <laughs> but I literally get a 50-50 on this. Like it is split down the middle. Some people are like, "Man, I'm gonna shave my moldings after seeing this. This looks so much better." And other people are like, dude, it looks unfinished. It is a direct split down the middle, 50-50. There's definitely no gray area. That what I'm experiencing. But, so, so but with that said, Tom, when you say it's 50-50 and the people that say that looks it's unfinished versus not, we, we all know, take Jesse's car, for instance, the Foxy Brown. Yep. How many people would honestly notice the few details that are done to that car versus not notice you know what i mean like when you're speaking generally like generally speaking a lot of people aren't going to notice those oh not many differences they're not they're not even going to notice that your moldings are off your car so and and i know that you're not in that bracket right so the the 50 that are saying your car looks unfinished is actually probably on an exponential curve of like from an ocd scale or however you would measure that like the the magnitude of the 50 on the unfinished is much greater than what it is on the it's fine leave it all right you might be right about that i'll give you that one maybe maybe (laughs) (laughs) you know boys i think like pulling off of the whole shaved engine bay and and roping that into this i mean i think that's one of the best things about some of the subtle tweaks that personalize a person's car like yours tom i mean or jesse's for that matter right i mean he's whatever buffed out his fenders with the capri uh pumps and whatever right um it's these little subtle things like it it kind of in a roundabout way defines that thing that i'm speaking of where you just you leave an oem alone but you're just modifying it enough, you know, um, you know, your front and rear windshield, front windshield and rear glass being molded in and, and, you know, your, your makers bits being molded in and, and just these subtle tweaks, which to 95% of the people out there, they'd walk right past and go, Oh yeah, no, I recognize that, but not even know. Right. When you and I did right. that YouTube video, I mean, you know, you guys are walking around the car pointing things out. I'm like, holy shit. And I mean, granted, I've only ever just seen photos of it. It's a different deal when you're in person. But um, yeah, like there was things getting pointed out to me. I'm like, holy Christ, I I didn't know, you know? Yeah, most people don't notice the little things. But, but that was the idea. That was totally. That's the beauty of it. Exactly my point. Yeah, I, I love those subtle little tweaks, you know? Just make it something yeah. better. That's what that's what, that's what interests me. That's what interests me about you know uh, Chris and Tip, like him doing kind of custom cars because he's got the similar kind of view. I think so. I'm interested to see where that goes. It's intriguing to me, honestly. Yeah. No. Wait. You wait for that four eye, Tom. It'll. Yeah, I want to see it. It's gonna piss In off my driveway. Four eye community, but I'm gonna love every second of it. But here's the thing, though. It, will it though? Because I. I See, in one of your videos, I might have even been the interview that Gary did with you. You said something about, 
I even took a note of it because it, it stuck in my head. What the hell did I write down? It was something about that you're in a niche, right? Yeah. That you have like a little, uh, what you do, your style is a niche. I, I think, I think that might've been true three years ago. I don't think it's true today. Like, I think yeah. from what I personally see, and I can only speak for what I personally see, what I'm seeing out there is I'm seeing more of the rest of uh, slam to the ground cars, big wheels, like definitely more of an interest of people going that direction versus say a, a drag race look. I think the drag race look is, is there. It's always going to be there, but that's going to be like the racer guys. Everyone yeah. else either wants OEM or they want, Pro mod, resto mod style cars. Like I don't see anything in between anymore. Yeah, I actually, I have to say, I have noticed that I'm not, I'm not the only one that is trying to get as low to the ground as uh, as possible, and, and it's very refreshing. The, you know, that whole side of things has definitely changed. We've seen bigger wheels. We've seen people getting lower. Seen a lot of that stuff. Body kits on coops, yeah, still debatable. Um, but um, yeah, no, I I, th I think you're right on that. It's I think with with the with the notch, the the eighty six notch. I think just knowing that that was an original five hundred five speed car and that original goat shit brown on tan, which is rare, so to speak. But is it desirable? Is is the other end of things? And yeah, I think for me to come along and yeah, I'm going to put a, not a body kit on a notch, but a body kit on a notch for I that <laughs> has, um, yeah. the history that it did. I think it'll ruffle a few feathers from that perspective, but whatever, I, I'm good with it. That wasn't a perfect car to start with. You know, it's not like it was some low mileage, all original true panel car, uh, by any means. So I think it's going to be all right. I just, you know, I, I like to poke the purists here and there, the people that give me a hard time saying, oh, what's that? What's that fucking douche stuff that you're putting on your car and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to say it like OEM to me is not appealing. Like it's not appealing. The ride height's not appealing. Like it's boring to me. Uh, I mean, yeah. the cleaner, the cleaner an OEM car to me, all that means to me is uh, easier car to modify. Right. Like yep. <laughs> that's how I see it. Like it's just a cleaner slate for me to modify. Yeah. So clean can that's how I that's how I get it. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I think uh I think it's crazy where these fox bodies are going these days. I mean, to think go back 15 years and think that people were gonna be spending a hundred plus thousand on builds is just it's mind blowing to me, to be honest with you. I can't I can't I wouldn't have been able to fathom fathom it back then. I don't know about you guys, but it's it's pretty wild. Well, I think people probably spent the money. There was some really high dollar cars back in the day for sure, but you know, I think as as mentioned before, now with just the way that these cars have been selling is something that we never thought we would see, you know, let alone the Cobra R's that went for over 100K. And now we just have normal Cobras that are in the 100K range. We got these Celines selling for a couple hundred thousand dollars and so on and so forth. Like, that's just a testament to, you know, what 
the market is saying, what people are willing to do and spend on these cars. And it's like we mentioned before, I, I don't think it's going away. I think that the, there'll be changes within certain grades of cars, but it's something that's going to last for, for a long time, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, you know what I just thought of, Gary? Not to not to change subjects here quick, but about just watching teenage ponies. <laughs> we got to get rid of those SV wheels when it comes down here. Give them a set of ROHs, Chris. <laughs> no, I was thinking about um the video you did with your mom. Oh yeah, but... it is one hundred percent my favorite video that you you've done so far. <laughs> is it, so is she? Is she really going to get the car? Like, are you really yeah. going to give her the car? Yeah, that that's the plan, buddy. Um, you know, like, I, I just if you guys would give me the space, I'd just go on a little mini rant on my mom. Like, I've always said the best way I can sum that gal up is if I'm half the person that she is one day, I'll be happy with the way I've turned out. Like, she is an absolute beauty of a human. You know, like... She'd much rather be in the garage drinking beer with me than upstairs painting nails with the girls, you know, like she's just a, a really, really neat combination of gal with kind of a guy's mentality, you know, loves drinking beer and whatever, carrying on. And yeah, she's well created me, you know, like she, I, I'm a product of her. So, um, loves to live for the moment. And, uh, so her big thing is, she had a 69 Camaro when she was younger and, uh, you know, tells kind of all the old school stories about it. Like, oh, you know, the, we had to get this lead additive for the fuel and um, kind of old hot rod stuff. Right. But her big thing is she loves driving stick and she's always got a kick out of driving my green car. So when this convertible sort of presented itself to me, I'm like, well, shit, you know, it's kind of got my mom's name written all over it. It's country club colors right like this thing is almost the rig you want to take to the golf course the bronze and red and uh well chris gives me a hard time he's like it's the fucking car out of uh the sharon stone movie the uh basic instinct basic instinct, right so yeah that's the plan buddy um my biggest thing is well and this actually it comes from a lot of comments I get from people, you know, that are caught somewhere between wanting to work on their own cars and, and ultimately having to trust a shop to do some work for them. They're like, man, like these guys don't know what the hell they're doing. And I don't, I'm not trying to shit on anyone, but you know, there's just, there's been 30 years since these cars were coming in and out of shops. So the little tweaks and twists and upgrades that you might want to do to them, it's it's over a lot of people's heads these days so i ultimately want to just hand my mom the keys to a car that she can enjoy you know top the tank up park it for the winter and and forget about it so i mean the vert it's still got the original rad in it you know i i don't even want to crack the cap on it and see what type of barnacles are growing on those fins like it's <laughs> just stupid little right. shit you know so um it's almost to a point and selfishly with the three girls, you know, I, I really do get a kick out of going out in it and the, they love going out in it and putting the top down and stuff. So 
Um, but yeah, no, the, the ultimate goal is to give it to mom. Cause I think that would, uh, whatever that'd make the, the last handful of her retirement years that much more enjoyable, you know, hand her the keys and fill the spot with another one. Well, yeah, there's that too. Right. right. I, know, I, always think, options. I got a buddy in town that has an LX hatch. Uh, I actually, I did a video on my channel about it. Um, he's talking about maybe selling that car and he'd love to see me get it, but I'm like, you know, it, it, and it's a buddy, right? So you're, you're stuck between, well, one first and foremost, parking is my biggest issue. And two is, well, you know, the outlay of cash and, and whatever else. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I don't know. I, I'd love to add that one to the stables, but, um, Maybe when I give mom this car and if he's still hanging on to it, I'll be fortunate enough to get it. Cause it is what you were saying earlier about like that. You don't like the OEM. I'm with you. Like I, I appreciate where these cars came from off the lot, but a blank canvas to more or less a 99% OEM standards. Like that's what you want to build a car from, you know? Yeah, exactly. And she, um, not for nothing, she could drive that thing, man. I watched her drive your car in that video. She she was getting it. If you if no one's watched that video, you got to go check it out. Oh. I think it's one of your best ones, honestly. Dude, she loves beating the shit out of these things. That poor green car, yeah, it's had some tough shifts. Um, I don't know. Like it was neat because well, I owned it at a time where I didn't have too many nickels to rub together, and you know, a slight upgrade was getting the catalytic converters out of it or whatever. And I take my mom out to this strip of pavement and I'd say, all right, mom, I'm going to stand here. You know, you get in there and give it hell. Cause I want to hear what it sounds like now. Right. And so no, she's a, she's a great gal, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Cause no, she means a ton to me and I, I can't wait to give her the keys to this one. It's going to be cool, man. You got to definitely do a video on it. Uh, you, totally. <laughs> yeah. So gentlemen on that note, I mean, it's, we're getting really late for here and I'd hate to cut you guys short, but I think I've asked most of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys. Um, I had fun. Hey, Tommy, I hope, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to cut your, uh, your sign off off here, but yeah. you, we were texting earlier and you said you wanted to know the story on castle customs, the name, um, you know, I was gonna, I do. So, okay. We're going to get into that. So okay. I, I was going to ask you that question originally, but then I seen you post it on Facebook today, right? I oh saw that. Dude. That was actually, I was curious too. I was actually quite touched by that. Were you? Yeah. So, guy, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, Chris, it's funny because I actually had this in my mind to ask him. I was going, I was going to ask him. I have it written down. And then he posted it today. I'm like, damn it. That's <laughs> well, the last question I'm going to ask him. But we'll get into it. So let's, where did the name Castle Customs come from? For those who haven't seen your YouTube post. Right. So um, I just wanted to try to think something that meant something to me and was ultimately going to have some, some legs to it or some lineage to it. So ultimately, um, I've got three daughters. I mentioned this earlier. but uh, So the oldest is Kaylee. The next one in line is Abigail. And then we've got a Sadie. Uh, so that's the K, the A, the S, and then L, Lissa, is our last name. So Castle Customs. And then my brother 
helped me kind of piece together the, the triangle to which I actually had a guy reach out to me on that post and he goes, man, I've been watching a lot of stuff on the Illuminati lately and like everything seems to be triangles and <laughs> he was getting all tinfoil hat on me. I said, no, no, it's got nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> tinfoil hat. Yeah, I got three girls and the triangle's got three three points to it. So uh, that's where the triangle comes from. You know what I thought the triangle was? I thought oh. it was like a conifer, like a, a tree because, oh. you know, you're Canadian. And I thought like it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a big Christmas tree. <laughs> there you go. I guess you they want, could. You want to know what I thought it was? I, okay. I just thought it was a fucking triangle. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I didn't think it was anything special at all. I'm like. It's fucking part of the design. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, on how many beers I got in me when I go to tell the story the next time, it'll uh, maybe have a different twist to it. But yeah, no, anyway. So it's it's my girl's names and her last name. And uh, I got three of them. So we got a triangle. Very cool, man. Very cool. So guys, listen, I really would, uh, I could go on for hours and hours and probably ask you guys a million questions. We have a big difference in time and work comes early for me. Okay. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I always have a blast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I did well. Um, did you get all that? <laughs> you cut off. You're just getting, making me all teary eyed and you cut off. <laughs> well, I apologize. This shit's cutting in and out. <laughs> what I was saying was, this is my goddamn hillbilly internet up here. So what I was saying was, I appreciate you guys having me. I always have a good time. Um, it was a pleasure, man. I'm glad you guys answered all the questions. I hope, I hope that you enjoyed having me on the second time. I hope people listening enjoyed it. Uh, and that's about it, man. I appreciate you guys. Man, it's always a pleasure, honestly. Um, I just love chatting with you and. I, I wish we made a point of doing it more to be honest with you. So yeah, never be a stranger, man, because like I said earlier in the pod, just surround yourself with like-minded people and, you know, whether it's just for a hobby or whatever or business or whatever you're doing, it's just so positive, man. I love your ideas. I love your creativity. And well, I think all three of us get along for many of the same reasons. And and that's why we could chat for hours. So no, thank you, man, yep. for making the recommendation and um, I guess flipping things around a little bit for uh, the listeners and man. Yeah. Foxtoberfest all the way. We'll catch up. That's it. We'll see you guys. And I'll talk to you guys before then, of course. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. it's going to be a good time. Be prepared, Gary. You're going to drive. A, you're going to drive it. Both you guys are going to drive it. Hell well, yeah. I don't want to hear no. I don't want to hear no. Before we get off here, so many people like, I'll drive, and, and they turn me down. Brother Tom is the only one who actually actually did it. So you guys are driving the car. I don't want to hear no. Oh, it'll scratch it. It's just and a car. I, I am you, no stranger to cross-country road trips. So even if <laughs> you know Gary wants to bail from Seattle, I'm driving that bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think I said on our on our live there, I'm I'm coming hell or high water if I gotta commandeer a, a couple canoes and a hang glider to get out of this goddamn province. I'm doing it. So <laughs> that'll be fine, man. It'll you know, be good. Tommy, I, I can't thank you enough, buddy. I mean, we didn't do a very good job introducing you at the start, but for those of the, the, the listeners that are still sticking around, I mean, 
um, my you hold a special place in my heart, buddy, and uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and and doing this for us. You know, I I mean, just to give some people a little insight to the back story. I mean, Tom reached out to me and went, "Hey, boys, you know, you guys sit there and yak enough about whatever's on your mind. Why don't you let me interview you a little bit?" And uh, I said, "Man, I'm I'm a thousand percent in for this. This is great because it's it, it's so much nicer to be able to tell stories where." someone's genuinely asked the question right so i think anyone listening to these they're they're wired just like us you know like probably somebody's out twisting wrenches or mowing the lawn or whatever you just want to be in and amongst the conversation or the the kind of environment that we all like being within whether it's a car show or a garage bullshit and cars like that's what makes these things cool right absolutely for sure man for sure so no thank you brother no, anytime, guys. I appreciate you having me. Anytime. Okay, boys. Well, let's cut her there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. See you next Monday.